What's up, everyone? It's Ray Garvin, host of the Destination Debbie podcast. If you're waiting until after the NFL season to start your college scouting process, you're already behind the eight ball. There are hundreds of college football games on each and every Saturday, far too many to keep up with, along with following your favorite NFL teams. But don't worry. This show is designed for not only you hardcore Debbie leaguers, but those of you who want to learn about the next group of potential NFL stars and get a leg up in your traditional dynasty leagues. We don't just talk about the big name college football guys. We hit on the small school value prospects who also have a shot to make it at the next level. If you want to position your dynasty team for short and long-term success, make sure you check out the DDP on DLF and all the other amazing shows DLF has to offer. You're listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan Myler. With me, Ryan McDowell and Matt Price. Guys, we're, we're all heavy into all these rookie drafts and even some rookie auctions right now as we're now weeks separated from the NFL draft, but we want to talk more about these rookies. And last year we did a consensus rookie tiers episode about this time of year. It was well-received. So we're going to do that once again, try to nail down these these windows, these pockets of value and, and these trade windows we're gonna we're gonna go through every player that's really important when you're when you're on the clock in the first couple rounds, first three rounds maybe even of your rookie draft. We're assuming single quarterback. We'll get to all that in just a moment. First though, let's talk to Ryan and Matt. Ryan, you're uh, like I said, you're you're all in on these rookie drafts and, and rookie auctions. How are they going? They're going well. I actually uh, I, I cut a few leagues early this off season, and I'm I'm feeling that now. There's there's a few rookie drafts that I'm used to having that I'm not in. Obviously, now that those leagues are gone, and and kind of missing out on those. So I don't have as many as I normally do. Uh, but that that's probably a good thing, big picture. Yeah, big picture it is. But you get the you get that fever, that draft fever, oh, yeah. right? This time of year when you're not in as many as you want, and that's how you get sucked into way too many startups. We've all been down that path. Matt, how about you? The, these uh, auctions and drafts, how are they treating you, bud? It's good. It's been fun. Uh, I'll just talk about my favorite one so far. Uh, a couple of years ago, I took over an orphan in one of uh, our buddy Dan Sanio's leagues, and it was a, a pretty bad team. Uh, and at that time, I traded for a 2021 first, so that was 2019 or 2018. Uh, so I ended up with the 101 this year. That, that pick that I traded for two years ago ended up as the 101. I traded uh, a running back, uh, Antonio Gibson, I think, for the 102. And then I moved a late first, uh, like a 109 or 110 or something, for and a bunch of other picks to get the 104. So I came away with Pitts, Chase, and ETN in that draft, and that was that was a lot of fun to pull off all those moves. Yeah, that does sound like a lot of fun. I, <laughs> I haven't had quite that much luck in a in a one of these auctions or drafts. We're going through all the kitchen sink auctions right now. Of course, Ryan and uh, our buddy Scott Connor kind of dominated one Oof. of them that we were just in. So man, I didn't I didn't get the 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 itch scratched <laughs> on that one. We gotta we gotta move on to KS three. Maybe I'll have a little more luck there. But anyway, I digress. Let's get to these consensus rookie tiers. We're gonna we're gonna tier out all these ranks, uh, try to pick which players belong in each tier. Maybe that can help some of our listeners, maybe even help the three of us figure out where those pockets of value and those trade windows might be 
in a draft. Uh, again, we're assuming single quarterback. We're, n- we're not going to do any tight end premium or anything like that. We'll have plenty of time to talk about super flex and, and all those values in, in future episodes. We got our rookie cash dash and trash episode coming up. So we'll, we'll have more opportunities for that kind of thing, but let's get right into tier one. There are, there are three of us, of course, on the show today, and we all put Kyle Pitts and Jamar Chase in Tier 1. Then things got a little bit tricky to figure this out, guys. And Matt, you were the one that had just those two stud rookies in the tier, and then you started started tearing down from there. So clearly you think there's a difference between those two top guys, Pitts and Chase, and the next few guys. Tell me why you think they belong in a tier by themselves at the top. I just think those are the two that have zero question marks for me. So there's no reason for me to take either of the running backs who will be in the next tier for me. Uh, over those two, I think those two running backs are a little bit, a, a, cut of, a cut below some of the running backs from the last year's class. Uh, and there's enough difference there uh, between those top two prospects and Chase and Pitts for me to keep them separate. You know, I originally when I saw your your tier, Matt, I thought to, I kind of rolled my eyes. You know, like, oh, geez, it's going to be tough. It's going to be difficult for us. But the more I've thought about it since I saw that, I've been saying for so long now that these are the two blue chip guys, the two two real top of the line guys as far as pass catchers and, and runners go. So why not have them in a tier by themselves? I really don't mind it all that much. I, I stretched mine out a little farther. Uh, I, I have Jalen Waddle real close to Jamar Chase. Um, there, there could be a tier difference then. And then I had those two running backs, Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. So I, I stretched mine as far as five. Ryan, you added the two running backs. What, what's the case for those two running backs being in that top tier for you? Yeah, I'm not sure there is one, honestly. I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm coming around to Matt's uh, line of thinking as well. You know, we do these, uh, we do these same uh, types of episodes with positional rankings earlier in the off season. And we, we really get into the weeds and, and try to really differentiate between the players, between the tiers, obviously. Uh, and, and when it comes down to it, if I have a top two pick, I'm taking one of these two pass catchers, Chase or Pitts, and uh, not really considering taking either Harris or ETN ahead of them. So I think Matt is right as well. We do these, uh, we do these independently. We and then we we throw them together and kind of see what happens. And uh, I think Matt came out ahead on this one. Yeah, it really does feel that way. I've I've been slowly coming around. I think the only case that could probably be made for the two running backs would be if the settings were different. Maybe if we weren't assuming just the single quarterback, not not some special scoring for uh, running back carries or or anything like that. Maybe also contract leagues could potentially make muddy the waters a little bit when it comes to these tiers. If, if you have a maximum contract of only three years or something like that, perhaps that would make you push one of these running backs or both of these running backs up into tier one, because as we all know, running backs are more likely to create that early production that we need in those contract and, and shorter window type leagues. We're, we're not talking about that. So since it sounds like the two of us are willing to, to, jump on the bandwagon, I guess, with Matt uh, and put just Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts in Tier 1. Let's leave it like that, and we'll jump right into Tier 2. Now, that, of course, changes things for Ryan and I. We're going we're gonna to kind of adjust as we go here. That would put Najee Harris and Travis Etienne in all of our Tier 2. 
Beyond that, where do we go, Ryan? What's the what's the next uh, group? Do we want to stop right there? It seems like Matt wanted to do that. Or do we want to add more players to that tier? Uh, that would be the end of my tier two, just the two running backs. And uh, the same line of thinking. If I have the 103 or the 104, I'm taking one of those two backs, assuming that the, the pass catchers are gone. I'm not considering uh, any other wide receiver. I'm not considering Javante Williams uh, above either Harris or Etienne. So uh, it would it would be those two in tier two for me. Matt, you had Etienne and Harris in tier two alone. So I imagine you're real happy with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I can see a case for extending it to um, the the third running back and those and the, the two next two receivers if we really wanted to. But like Ryan said, there's almost no instance where I'm considering any of those guys over these two. You know, I, I have seen people have uh, Javante Williams as their number one or, or number two in this class. Uh, so if that's the way they want to tier it, that's fine. But for me, those are the two that I'm considering uh, right now in this tier. All right, so we we make it unanimous then. It goes Chase and Pitts in Tier 1, followed by Najee Harris and Travis Etienne, the two big-named running backs in Tier 2. I think there's probably a case, Ryan, to be made that Javante Williams is real close, probably closer to those two running backs, for sure closer to those two running backs than any running back behind him, oh, yeah. but maybe closer to, the, to Tier 2 than some of these guys in tier three for us, including these, that group of wide receivers like Jalen Waddle and Devonte Smith and Rashad Bateman, maybe even, maybe even you go deeper than that with Elijah Moore and Rondale Moore, but we'll, we'll get to those guys. What's the case for Javante Williams being alone by himself in tier three? Yeah, that's how I would have it. Um, essentially the, the depth of the wide receiver group, that, that second tier of wide receivers for me uh, behind Jamar Chase the depth plays a big part in Williams not only being ranked ahead of all those guys, but a full tier ahead. So with that, with that five spot, I'm taking the, the running back. I'm taking Williams there, taking advantage of the lack of depth, really, and, and the big teardrop from Williams to, you know, Michael Carter or uh, whoever your, your Trey Sermon, whoever your wide, your running back uh, four might be. So um, really it's about the depth of the receiver class that pushes Williams there for me. So for you, Ryan, the you're, if you're sitting at five, you're for sure taking Javante Williams, not really looking at offers to move down unless you're really winning that kind of trade. Yep, exactly. Okay, Matt, you were more willing to put a couple of these wide receivers into Tier 3 along with Javante Williams. You had the, the couple of Alabama wideouts, Waddle and Smith, in there. Is there a case that you could make that they should for sure be right here with Javante? No, I, I think it's fine to have Javante in a tier of his own here. Uh I think that would create a, a tier of two with those just those two receivers for me again below this. So we're kind of spreading it out there because um, I, I feel like those two are a little bit above the, the next set of receivers, right? So uh, this is the area, like those top four are pretty much locked in for me. This is kind of the tier, like if I wanted to start diversifying, you know, maybe I take a Williams in one league, maybe I take a Waddle and a Smith in another one. This is the tier where I would do that. So they fit together nicely for me, uh, but I could I can easily have a, see a case for Williams in a tier by himself here. If we're, if we're going to do this and put Javante Williams by himself in tier three, I think, I think we have to 
set some guidelines for tier four and beyond. It, <laughs> it really feels like you can't throw all of these wide receivers in one tier. And Ryan, I, I, you know, looking ahead into <laughs> tier four, you have seven guys in there, and they're all, really all these wide receivers and and maybe a, a, a elite quarterback sprinkled in there as well. And I see a relatively big difference between the guys that were selected in round two and then the guys that were selected early in round one, especially. I had a little bit of trouble with Rashad Bateman, uh, but guys like Jalen Waddell and, and Devonta Smith, they seem so much closer to Jamar Chase than they are to a guy like Terrace Marshall. So um, I, I have a little bit of a problem if we're going to put Javante in a tier by himself. I, I don't want to suddenly have this massive tier uh, tier four full of these wide receivers because there's a clear difference in, in, at the very least, I would say, their landing spots and draft capital. I think there's enough there to, to spread these guys out. Well, I, I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I mean, even in, in my own rankings, I would still have Rondell Moore very high. I would, um, I don't see a huge difference, but the, I mean, the way we've typically done these and we've done these types of episodes now for two or three years, it, it does basically turn into a, a consensus, um, or, you know, majority rules, I guess, uh, type of episode. You've got Waddle in Tier 2. Uh, Matt has Waddle in Tier 3, which is where we are right now. And, and you both have Devontae Smith in Tier 3. So um, I think, based on what, we, what we're putting together here, it does make sense to have both Waddle and Smith in this tier with Javante Williams, based on how you two are, are ranking those guys. And, and that, that's fine. Matt, how do you feel about Waddle and Williams being the line at, along with or Waddle and Smith being the line, uh, drawing the line after those two wide receivers and then getting to the others in tier four? Yeah, like you said, for me, there's just a I mean, it's a very slight line, I would say. I think, you know, I think we're somewhere in the middle between how Ryan feels and how how we feel. I, I, I think you said that you think Waddle and Smith are closer to, to Pitts or excuse me. Yeah, uh, the, the Chase Pitts tier. Um, but I would say they're closer to that next group for me. So uh, I'm I'm fine just sitting right here in the middle. So it's probably not a consensus. There's one of us, that, myself, that thinks, yeah, we need to move these guys up. Matt, you're, we need to be right in the middle where we are right now. And, and Ryan, you think maybe a, maybe a line between the guys. We're going to land on Javante Williams, Jalen Waddell, and Javante Smith as our Tier 3. So we are seven players into it. Feels like a lot of times, Ryan, we've talked about these drafts, uh, both on air and off, of course the three of us, and we feel like there's a line somewhere in the middle to late part of the first round in these rookie drafts when, when we're not getting into the quarterbacks just yet. We've reached that line, it really feels like. You're, you're going to get into the uh, Rashad Batemans and Rondale Moores, Elijah Moore, start talking about the quarterbacks as well as Terrace Marshall. There's, it feels like if there's, a, if there's a line that maybe becomes consensus among dynasty managers, it might be right here. Yeah, I, th- I think this is, I mean, based on the, the drafts I've taken part in, based on ADP I've seen, ADP I, that I've seen, I, I think this is a, a pretty good representation of how we're seeing these one quarterback uh, drafts play out with uh, the two Alabama wide receivers closer to the middle of the first. I mean, I don't think I've seen Waddle or Smith fall uh, outside of the first round, certainly, and, and grouping them in that big tier with, 
the Moors and Bateman and some of the other players could uh, could represent that that's happening, and I, I don't really think it is. So I think it makes sense to have this larger group of, of wide receivers as our fourth tier. And that's where we're at, Matt. We're, we're going to start talking about Bateman, the two Moors, and Marshall. And, and maybe we'll stretch it beyond that. But uh, if, if really looking at these tiers, how we have them placed out, we all have these four wide receivers in this tier. I actually bumped Bateman up, but I, I was on the line on that one. I, I thought maybe he was a little closer to tier three than he was to tier four. With the conversation that we had in tier three, it's clear that I wasn't going to win that battle, so there was no point of, of putting putting up a fight for that. I like Bateman's upside, but I like more. Uh, Rondale Moore. I like Elijah Moore. I certainly like Terrace Marshall as well. So we're going to, we're going to just plug those guys in as tier four wide receivers. Beyond that, there's only one other consensus name right here. And that's Trevor Lawrence. Do you feel like any, anybody else belongs in tier four along with the four wide receivers and the number one pick in the NFL draft? Yeah, I think that since this is a one quarterback league we're doing, that I'm fine grouping those three, those top three quarterbacks together. You know, I think you can make a case for any of them in this particular format. You know, in Superflex, you want the safer asset in Lawrence, I think. But if you're playing in a one quarterback league, and, and you and you think you'd rather take a shot at the upside of of what Lance or Fields can do on the ground, then I don't really see a strong argument against that. So uh, that's why I put them here, uh, and, and and also because I think this is the, the those two quarterbacks are probably the last two that I don't have a, a ton of question marks. I think this tier in general has everybody has a, has a little bit of question marks except I guess Lawrence, but after that, then we get into like the serious question marks. So that's why I felt comfortable putting them in the same tier as Lawrence. Okay, I also had Trey Lance along in Tier 4 along with Trevor Lawrence, and, and I've been on record saying I think there's a pretty good chance at least that Lance is the better fantasy option uh, for us as dynasty managers. So I don't have a problem with him being in the tier. Ryan, you drew a line between, between Lawrence and then Lance and Fields. Can you make a compelling case that, that they should be bumped down? No, no, I mean, not necessarily, just other than other than the fact we're talking about a one-quarterback format. So, uh, in, in general, I think we're pushing quarterbacks down just due to the, the depth of the position in general. I don't have a strong argument against Lance here. Uh, I, I mean, I do still clearly see Lawrence as, as the better option in fantasy. All right, so Lance ends up getting bumped up because both me and Matt have him in Tier 4. There is a there is a line, though. Matt, you said you wouldn't mind having Justin Fields in the same tier as well. Now, me and Ryan, we both have him just a tier below, and that pushes him to the top of Tier 5. So there's going to be a difference there. Beyond uh, Fields at the top of Tier 5, who do you think fits in the next group of players? Yeah, the, ne- the next group is where you're not sure – what you're going to get maybe even in year one uh, with the exception of one player, I guess. Uh, but that's Trey Sermon starting out here. How does he fit in with that backfield from the get go? You know, does it take a while for him to get going Carter? You know, it's, 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 t- it, he might Carter. I mean, I could even make an argument for him being in the tier above, I guess, based on potential opportunity, but you know, fourth round running back for a team that we have historically not really wanted fantasy options from. Right. So a little bit hard to get over that mental barrier. Uh, and then uh, you get into uh, uh, Deami Brown, 
you know, you think he's going to be pretty good with Washington, but I, I think there's enough there to, to, to have him a little bit more question marks than the, the receivers in the tier above him. Kadarius Tony is someone I've, I've not been a fan of, but I'm trying to come around on a little bit. Uh, Paul Pertichese over Saturday to Sunday, he makes a lot of good points about how, you know, a, a lot of those issues with the depth chart right now could be gone next season. Jason Garrett could be gone next season. Uh, we have a, a new you know, a new uh, front office, a new head head coach, all that kind of stuff, uh, and then we have a scheme where it's where it's Galladay and Tony as the top two receivers, right? Maybe even Evan Ingram's gone. So I'm trying to come around a little bit uh, to that line of thinking to, to go along with the draft capital. He's not a player that I'm super into, but uh, you know, trying to trying to respect that a little bit. And then St. Brown, who's all about opportunity there in in Detroit. You have the two outside receivers with Perriman and Williams if they can stay healthy, and St. Brown just fits perfectly there in the slot. He'll have to share with Hawkinson in that range, obviously, um, but enough opportunity there to consider him in this range. Ryan, you, after bumping Trey Lance up to Tier 4 and, and Fields falling in Tier 5, you, you pretty much fell in line with what Matt said, with the exception of a couple players. So why did you draw the line after Lance, then Fields, then Tony, Sermon, and Carter? You weren't willing to put Diami Brown or, or a couple of the other names into Tier 5. Yeah, this in in some ways this feels like the most clear cut tier for me that that you've got these players uh, either with uh, the first round draft capital that we like to see, obviously talking about Kadarius Tony there, uh, the two running backs who uh, got a boost due to their landing spot with with Trey Sermon and Michael Carter. I, th- I think they're pretty clearly the RBs uh, four and five in this group. I don't I don't think anybody else is necessarily close behind them, and and they're certainly not close to uh, to Javante Williams or any of the others. Um, and then, uh, beyond, uh, I know Matt talked about Brown and, and St. Brown, and I like those, those guys as, as late second or third round options, but they, they just seem like, uh, far from uh, a sure thing to, to contribute or, or really to ever, you know, to ever do anything potentially in the NFL. And I think, uh, even if it's a short-term situation, Carter, Sermon, uh, Kadarius, Tony, they're going to give us something as fantasy assets. Yeah. And I fell in line with you on that. I, I toyed, I guess, with putting Amari Rogers into this tier. And I think maybe it's probably the, the question mark surrounding the quarterback position in green Bay that I, that I finally decided he, he maybe belonged closer to tier six along with Diami Brown, Amari, uh, or, uh, I'm on Ross St. Brown and a couple of other names. So, uh, I guess Matt, you're going to be forced to to wait on Amari Rogers and St. Brown and uh, Diami. Um, you won a bigger battle earlier in the episode, <laughs> so I, I suppose you'll take that win over over this one. Uh, we end up with just four names in Tier Five. That's Justin Fields, Trey Sermon, Kadarius Tony, and Michael Carter. So we are about we're, we're getting close to the second round or the end of the second round, guys. Um, Ryan, you mentioned that this feels like a clear cut tier to you, that maybe this is, this is where there would be a, a, a line drawn in pen maybe for you when you get to drafts. Let's talk a little bit about value of trading up and down. We've hit a couple of these tiers where we felt like there was a, there was a strong line that, that we're not going to, we're not willing to go below unless we absolutely have to. When we're starting to talk about the mid to end part of Round two, how aggressively are you moving into these tiers to try to get one, maybe even two of these players? 
Well, I think if you really believe in your tiers, whether whether these are rankings that, that you've created yourself or if you are relying on, um, on, on DLF rankings, on ADP, on your favorite analyst rankings, whatever it might be, uh, I think you should always be aggressive in, in trying to move up and, and snag that last player of, of a tier as they, as they start to get picked off. But the good thing is the later you're getting in a draft, those tiers are getting larger and larger. So, um, you know, Dan, you and I had this happen in, in a league that we run to, or in a, uh, with a team that we run together that we were trying to move up and, and get that player. Our tier was, was ending, was drying up. And there were players chosen ahead of us that, that we weren't even considering. And, and that becomes the, the deeper in a draft you go, that becomes a pretty common uh, thing that happens. So, uh, yes, definitely be aggressive, be active, uh, have those conversations. But sometimes you'll find that, that the player you're hoping for lands in your lap as well. Yeah, and what's nice about it is because it's so late in the draft or later in the draft, the cost to move up isn't always that great. It's usually relatively cheap to move up a few picks unless a manager is really dead set on a player. And again, like you said, sometimes they're dead set on a player that you don't even want. Matt, what about you? Because I've heard you say multiple times that things dry up awfully quick when you get towards the end of the second round. So how aggressive are you this this draft season when it comes to trying to move into the second round or, or into these tiers that land in the second round and, and not necessarily looking at grabbing players in the third round? Uh, I would say not the late second round, and I'm uh, the only really aggressive moves I would say I've made is to move into the, the those well according to what we're doing today the top two tiers for one of those top four picks in a one quarterback draft. And if I can't land a, a pick or two in that range, then I want to have multiple shots, maybe two or three, maybe even four if I can from our tier four and tier five area, because uh, after that for me it gets to the point where I'm ready to just trade out of this class if I can, or maybe move it for a, a depth piece on a on a contending team, something like that. Uh, I'm just not super interested in being aggressive in that range. So I guess you could say the early second, if you want to consider that in the, the shotgun approach range, uh, that's, that's, that's the area. But otherwise, I'm, I'm okay completely getting out at this point. So we've gotten all the way through Tier 5 so far. Let's quickly recap before we move on to Tier 6. In Tier 1, we had Kyle Pitts and Jamar Chase. Just two players in Tier 2 as well, the two big running back names. That's Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. In Tier 3, we added three players. That's Javante Williams, Jalen Waddell, and Devontae Smith. Tier 4 was a little bigger, fellas. That went Rashad Bateman, Elijah Moore, Rondale Moore, Terrace Marshall, Trevor Lawrence, and Trey Trey Lance. Then in Tier 5, we had four players in there. Justin Fields, Trey Sermon, Kadarius Toney, and Michael Carter. So we need to move into the latter part of Round 2. And then a few names in Round 3 we'll sprinkle in as well. In, in Tier 6, guys... We have four names that definitely have to be in here. It's Diami Brown, it's Amon Ra, St. Brown, Amari Rogers, and Pat Fryermuth. These are still players with some draft capital, some landing spots that we kind of like, Ryan. If we get beyond those four names, are there other names that should be thrown in? You had a couple other guys in this tier. Josh Palmer would be there for me. Uh, he, he got the draft capital. I like the landing spot with the Chargers. Uh, and as, as we've talked about and others have talked about, I think this is probably going to be Mike Williams' final season with the Chargers. Really everything else uh, with that team is, is going to be a benefit to, uh, to Josh Palmer as far as uh, the quarterback 
in place and, and uh, hopefully an offense that's uh, going to cater to that passing game. So uh, when you factor in Palmer's ADP, like in that late second, early third round range, uh, he, he becomes a pretty easy player to, to click the button on for me. So I would have him in this range with, uh, with Rogers, Brown, St. Brown. I don't hate that. Matt, I, I noticed you had Palmer in this tier as well. Is there anybody else on top of Palmer that you'd add to the names Brown, St. Brown, Rogers, and Friarmuth? Uh, yeah, I think you can throw Nico Collins in here. I think it's going to be gross. So, you know, he could <laughs> be one of those candidates that just don't really have any value going into year two, and you can pick him up cheap then. Uh, not that this is expensive by any means, uh, but Dwayne Eskridge, just mainly because of the draft, second round draft capital. But was that just a to stick it to the Rams to try to get up ahead of them. Like it feels like a very weird pick. We've talked about a little bit redundant with Tyler Lockett. I guess he could play the slot if there's going to be enough volume to go around there. And then Ramondre Stevenson, I've been moving up a little bit. Uh, he's, he's interesting. you know, I think I read something or heard some rumor that who knows this time of year, right. But that Sony Michelle might actually be a cut candidate later in camp. Uh, you know, if that happens and Harris is terrible again, you know, maybe you see Stevenson at least get some kind of short yardage or goal line role and he can catch, catch the ball as well. Uh, not that he's going to be used over James White, but you know, he, he has that ability, I would say to be, be a three down back if they really wanted him to be in like the most extreme of situation. Right. So that's the point where I'm, I'm willing to take him. And then the rest of these guys, the rest of the receivers and running backs are, are all guys that we're going to talk about are just, just guys that I, like if I, if I have a pick in that range and I can't get out of it, I'm happy to take my favorite one of them, but uh, I'm not going to be too stressed if I missed out on anybody else. Yeah, it feels like after round two for you, Matt, not not to speak for you or anything like that, you're you're uh, you're you're putting one big tier together, right? They're yeah. they're all yeah. about worth the same to you. Pretty so uh, we're gonna we're gonna try to force our way through a few more names here. Uh, we I also had Nico Collins in the same uh, tier along with Josh Palmer. So that that tier six really ends up being Diami Brown, Amon Ra St. Brown, Amari Rogers, Pat Fryermuth, Josh. Palmer and Nico Collins. Beyond that, Ryan, you mentioned Zach Wilson. You have a, you have a few other names that need to certainly be mentioned right around here as far as values, guys that could turn up, uh, make 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 rosters, make dynasty rosters, and make an impact for us. Maybe maybe down the line, right? Yeah, I think uh, this is where I would consider both of the other two first round quarterbacks, both Wilson and Mac Jones. Um, and then some of the players that maybe dynasty managers liked a little more than the NFL, that uh, some of these guys fell further than we would have expected. Tylen Wallace, uh, Kenneth Gainwell, Chuba Hubbard, all in that group as well. Um, and then Matt already talked about Dwayne Eskridge. I have him in this range also. So that would, that would be my tier seven. Yeah, it really feels like that. that's really a consensus. Um, the only name that you probably didn't mention there – that maybe should be talked about is Ramondre Stevenson because Matt mentioned him as a potential tier six guy. I'm with you. I had him a little bit lower. I even skipped him in tier seven like you did and went down to tier eight for him. Uh, talk to me about Stevenson and what's holding you back from moving him up in your rankings. Uh, mostly the the depth of that uh, that position for the Patriots. Um, I don't think he uh, certainly don't think he's a better pass catcher than James White. I don't think he's a better ball carrier than than Damian Harris, and you know maybe not even Sony Michelle. So I, I just see uh, I see a tough path for him uh, gaining any any real playing time in that 
uh, on that roster. And I mean, we know, we know how uh, Bill Belichick likes to move those running backs in and out. You know, maybe you view that as a good thing for Stevenson that he'll get a chance eventually, but mostly I view it as a negative for, for him and, and really everybody on that uh, running back depth chart. Yeah, Stevenson, he, I continue to try to get on board because you hear especially a lot of people that are in the redraft community talking highly of him and his upside, maybe even immediately in his career, and I, I just can't turn the page on it. Can't really get him up in these tiers. So so I have him pushed down a little bit lower as well. We end up in tier seven here as we're talking in the middle of the third round, early to mid third round. It goes Zach Wilson, who I, I'm starting to agree with you. He, he kind of sticks out as a sore thumb here, Ryan. Maybe he did belong in tier six one spot ahead, but we end up with Zach Wilson, Tylen Wallace, Dwayne Eskridge, Chuba Hubbard, and Kenneth Gainwell. The only other name that I had mentioned right here was Tutu Outwell, and the only reason I have him in here, fellas, is because of the draft capital. Another second-round receiver landing in an offense with a good quarterback, great play caller, a guy that if he finds the right role uh, and enough of a role that he could make an impact for dynasty managers. Maybe I'm looking at it uh, with rose-colored glasses or, or maybe a little bit too gl- glass half full when it comes to Tutu Atwell. But is there, is there something that could be said about Tutu that would make you consider him at this point in the draft rather than a tier below, Matt? Uh, I would have to go back and look in the notes, but I think he's one of the like uh, the, the rookie dominator breakout age guys. So I guess you could you could hang your hat on that. But just his size and his role in that offense, I just don't see it. They took a second round receiver last year with a very different skill set, obviously, but to play, uh, you know, in the same kind of area in the field if it if it breaks out like the way their depth chart is aligned, right? And then of course, uh, Deshaun Jackson there is probably still a better version of what Atwell is going to be. Uh, so I just, I just don't, I just, it's just an odd fit. So I could see taking a shot on him as just like a random dart throw, but it's not someone I'm going to pursue. Ryan, anything to add on Tutu Atwell? Yeah, it just seems like, I mean, Dan, you just said it. I've said it myself, not necessarily on podcasts, but just in, in conversations about rookie drafts. I've heard so many people say you have to take him because of, because of the second round draft capital, or that's the only reason I would consider him. And if that really is, the case, which I think it is for me. I mean, if he was a fifth or a sixth rounder, he he wouldn't even be this high. That that's probably not a good reason. If that's the only reason to take him, you know, even though we're talking about tier seven or eight. I think maybe for me, it might be giving that coaching staff and Sean McVay too much credit, and and really falling in line with the man. He's a weapon. He was sold as a weapon for so long, and this guy that could be used creatively when he's matched with a with a head coach that calls his own plays and has been known as a creative play caller. That feels like there's potential there. And when you're talking about a mid third, it seems like. Uh, that could be a nice investment, and there could be places where you could uh, where you could profit off a two two out. Well, maybe that's only in those uh, best ball leagues. Maybe that format might add to his value. Perhaps I'm I'm looking at through through that lens as well. But Atwell seems like he fits in right around here. I don't mind him being a tier below though. Yeah, someone uh, uh, forgive me, I cannot remember who this was, but someone posted the uh, Rams wide receiver draft picks over the past. I think it was 10 years maybe um 
Cooper Cup was was a hit, but that was it. Um, that was they, it. <laughs> they were all not only not hits; they were all really bad. So really uh, bad busts, and right? <laughs> that, that goes back further than than this current coaching staff. But um, I, I think you know, I, I think we need to be careful with saying this team did well, this coaching staff did well with Cooper Cup, or or they turned Robert Woods' career around. You've got to be careful not to give them too much credit. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. So, Tier 7 ends with Wilson, Wallace, Eskridge, Hubbard, Gainwell. We're that far, Matt. You're, you're on the clock. You can't trade the pick. Who's the, next, who's the guy you're picking if you're on the clock at, oh, I suppose we're, we're in the middle of the third round? I probably look at uh, two running backs that have, you know, maybe a path to touches. Javian Hawkins at UDFA for the Falcons. Just Mike Davis really there to get excited about. Uh, Khalil Herbert I liked a lot pre-draft. Uh, he kind of has that lead back profile. You know, he's got the size. He can catch the ball pretty well. Uh, and he's kind of a hedge against Montgomery being not the same Montgomery that we saw over the second half of the season. Or, you know, an injury hedge, of course. And then Tariq Cohen uh, coming back as well. So I think he can he can be the pass catching back if, if Cohen isn't isn't the guy and he can be the lead back if for some reason Montgomery is ineffective or isn't in the picture uh so th- those two would be my my dark throws in the third round Ryan you got any it seems like we're 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 gonna stretch these tiers really really wide once we get this deep are there other names that need to be mentioned for sure somebody that's that's it when you're on the clock in the third round you're especially excited about yeah, I don't know if I would go that far with uh, especially excited, but I think uh, <laughs> we've, we've talked Javian Hawkins, we've talked Tutu Atwell, we better talk about the third uh, kid from Louisville, Des Fitzpatrick. Uh, he got uh, both surprising draft capital and the nice landing spot with the Titans, uh, potential at least to be the wide receiver two there. Uh, not not necessarily sold on uh, on on him or, or on him just easily bypassing uh, a guy like Josh Reynolds, but um, certainly the opportunities there. And, and again, we're talking about a mid third round pick. So let's quickly recap these tiers. Tier one goes Kyle Pitts and Jamar Chase. Then in tier two, it's just Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. We widen things out in tier three and went three deep with Javante Williams, Jalen Waddell, and Devonta Smith. Again, I should say these, these aren't in any necessary order. They, they're just in a tier uh, together, these players. Tier four went Rashad Bateman, Elijah Moore, Rondale Moore, Terrace Marshall, Trevor Lawrence, and Trey Lance. Then in Tier 5, we added Justin Fields, Trey Sermon, Kadarius Toney, and Michael Carter to give you an example of or, or an idea of where we are in a draft. That's 17 players through Tier 5. In Tier 6, we had six players. Diami Brown, Amon Ra St. Brown, Amari Rogers, Pat Fryermuth, Josh Palmer, and Nico Collins. Then in Tier 7, to get through 28 players, so into the third round, Zach Wilson, Tylen Wallace, Dwayne Eskridge, Chuba Hubbard, and Kenneth Gainwell. We, sh- we should mention Atwell and Jones, Ramondre Stevenson. Those were really the next guys that we were talking about. They'd be in Tier 8 along with some other names. Fellas, we have... We have a few minutes. So let's talk about the trade market right now when it comes to these rookies. We, you know, we all use the trade finder. We use the trade analyzer over there at DLF. Those are great tools that can help you become a better dynasty manager. But Matt, you've been looking at a bunch of these trades, watching these 
relatively closely trying to get a gauge on where these where the value is with these players and Javante Williams is one of those players that in the first round you can see him moving around or there's some trades that you're seeing out there that that maybe caught your eye so we can get a good gauge on where his value is because we were talking about him as a potential player that could be all by himself in tier three, the fifth overall player in single quarterback leagues. If that's happening and there's a clear line on both sides of him, what are the trade? what's the trade market looking like for him? Yeah, the most recent trade is pretty interesting. I think I'm heavily on the opposite side, but uh, if you need a running back, then you might want the Javante Williams and Savon Ahmed side. You know, it's probably Miles Gaskin there, but uh, Ahmed was was productive um, on the other side of of the of the trade. So Javante Williams and Savon Ahmed for Cooper Cup, the 110 and the 112. So then this is a one quarterback league. So you get Cooper Cup, probably two uh, two shots at uh, those receivers, and I think our was it our tier five, uh, the tier with Rondale Moore, Elijah Moore. Uh, Terrace Marshall so you might get two shots there so I think in that case unless I'm really starving at running back I'm easily taking the three wide receivers on that side I kind of like that that side of the trade on the right roster where you're looking at at throwing the dart at one of the the best of those wide receivers or your favorite wide receiver and if you're not in love with going with a second one maybe that's the place where you go to Trevor Lawrence and and try to get that that franchise quarterback at the end of first the first round with uh with Javante. Any others, Matt? Yeah, I have one more. And uh, this was, uh, uh, let's see, Javante Williams, a 201 and a 2022 third. This is in a super flex league. So uh, the picks are a little bit more valuable for Jamar Chase and the 510. Uh, and this is a Devi best ball league it looks like so a little probably goes a little bit deeper I don't know where the Debbie actually starts there but in that case I I just want the best player right I think I just want to take Chase no matter really what's on the other side yeah it really feels that way looking at it in a vacuum we're not exactly sure what those what those details of the league are exactly but it feels that way Ryan how about you um Kyle Pitts is a guy that is almost un untradeable and un uh, you, you can't really acquire him. Unacquirable, I guess it would be the word. Uh, at least on Twitter, from everything that I see, we, we, you know, we talked to a lot of guys who have showed some screenshots of some, some really crazy trade offers that got denied on MFL. So tell me what kind of trades are going through when it comes to Kyle Pitts. Yeah, yeah, they're, uh, they're equally expensive here. And, uh, you know, you, you do have to be a little careful with, with the trade finder because... Uh, we don't always know the the context of the league. Um, sometimes they're Devi. We may or may not know that depending on the title of the league. And um, we do know the Superflex or, or not. We typically know tight end premium or not. Uh, but yeah, some some of these some of these trades are are hard to believe. This is a Superflex league, which uh, comes into play when we're looking at the draft pick. Uh, Kyle Pitts on one side, and he was traded for the one point oh four. Uh, rookie pick, so we're assuming that's, um, you know, maybe that's Justin Fields or Jamar Chase, someone like that in a super flex league, uh, along with Jerry Judy. So Pitts for Judy and the 1.04, pretty pretty expensive. It's, you know, it, I don't know, it, it just becomes a, a conversation of, is it too early to, to cash out on this guy? I mean, if you take him at 101 or 102, um is it crazy to consider flipping him? I mean, before, you know, before training camp, way before training camp even gets started. 
when I'm looking at some of these trades, I, I don't think it's that crazy. And what's really insane to me about it is you're you're choosing a player at 104 in that specific trade that was widely considered the 102 in Superflex leagues just just a couple of months ago. Yeah. We we were all thinking that Fields or, or really whoever falls to that spot at 104. Now now to get Judy on top of that, that seems like a massive haul, but but I've heard of even bigger hauls happening for when it comes to pits on the trade market, Matt. Yeah, I've seen some crazy rejections, and and I, honestly, I can't I can't fault the team that is that is keeping Chase. Uh, there's a couple of uh, trades that uh, Bosch has shown, John, our buddy John Bosch has showed us where he it's been rejected straight up for Christian McCaffrey. I think it was straight up. There might have been some from other pieces on there. So like if we're talking that, like that's up. the 101 in most one quarterback dynasty leagues, right? So, but you know, if you're a rebuild a rebuilding team. And you just drafted Kyle Pitts very high because you have a bad team. Like, why am I going to move him for an asset? Like, if Christian McCaffrey gets hurt again, like, there's no question almost that Pitts is probably more valuable uh, than than McCaffrey next season, right? So, I just think he's kind of untouchable at this point. I, one one other crazy trade that got rejected, uh, at least in my opinion, in a superflex league, Patrick Mahomes uh, for Trey Lance, Kyle Pitts. Uh, and then some fourth round picks. So basically Mahomes for, for Lance and Pitts. And like, that seems like a t- difficult decision too. Like, obviously I want Mahomes, but if I'm a bad team, why don't take, I take two shots at potentially elite players. So uh, he's, I, I just think he's pretty untouchable right now. And if you really do want to move him, you should aim super high. Yeah. I, I checked this out because he ended up uh, our, our May DLF ADP just got posted um, late last week and he ended up with an ADP, uh, late in the third round, I believe. And I went back uh, the, the nine or 10 years that we've been collecting ADP data every single month. Only nine tight ends have ever been drafted higher than Kyle Pitts is here. His, essentially his first month in the league. The, the first month we have a team designation beside his name. Uh, only nine other tight ends ever. Now we did see years ago, we saw Rob Gronkowski. We even saw Jimmy Graham end up as first round dynasty startup picks, uh, even in the, the non tight end premium leagues. What, what do you guys think are the, the percentages that Kyle Pitts is a first rounder this time next year in, in startup drafts? Like, I, I don't know if I can give you an exact number, but like, I think it's pretty high. Uh, I think he's the tight end one in dynasty almost no matter what, unless he just gets hurt or completely falls flat on his face. You know, like if he has a back end tight end one season uh, in his rookie season, he's going to be the tight end one overall. So that just, just where are you going to put that? And then, you know, if, and then you could compare it to Travis Kelsey, you know, if Travis Kelsey was 20 in his early twenties right now, we know the kind of, already knew the kind of uh, advantage he's going to give us. Would he be a first round pick? I think so. So uh, I think it's, you know, I don't think it's out of the question at all. I'd put it better than 50% that he's a back end, you know, first round pick at, at the maybe not at the highest. He could be mid first round pick, but you know, I think he's there's a good chance that he's right in that range of a fringe first round pick. I think it's a little below fifty percent, in my opinion. If you said top sixteen or top fifteen, something like that, I, I could probably get on board. I just you know, you think about that rookie class that we we're just coming out of that that those guys that are going into their sophomore year and what we have ex, the expectations we have for those guys. A lot of those guys are going to gain value, it feels like to me, throughout the season. But you're right. All it's going to take is Kyle Pitts making one of those one-handed grabs in the end zone with three guys draped on him, 
And that's just going to add fuel to the fire, and, and he could spike all the way into the first round. So it doesn't feel like it's over 50% to me. I'd put it closer at 40 or maybe 35 even that he gets into the top 12. But if you said top 16 or top 18, that feels like it's a 75, a 90% maybe even uh, if you went as far as 18 yeah, just a couple other Kyle Pitts trades to throw out. Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Tony for C.D. Lamb. Um, Ooh. Kyle Pitts, this is another super flex league. Kyle Pitts for Miles Gaskin and the 1.05. So uh, similar uh, to what we were talking about earlier as far as uh, that, that fifth pick in a super flex league. Uh, and then, Dan, this one's for you. Kyle Pitts, even up for Jonathan Taylor. Oh my goodness! Wow. Holy cow! That's giving up a top five startup pick, wow. top three, top top one startup pick for Kyle Pitts. Give me JT. That one's that one. That one is pretty. I think that's the only one I've seen so far. That's that's pretty clear on on the non Pitts side. But I just like the the fear of missing out on Pitts is just so strong right now in the community, and I can't I can't say that I don't have the same the same fear of missing out there too. So yeah, it, it feels as close as we've had in a while as, as a guy that can't bust. Or, or something along those lines. We all feel pretty confident that not only he's going to be a really, really good player, but there's the chance that he could be a uh, difference, a real difference maker in dynasty and fantasy that can win you weeks and win you championships from a position that we, you know, we're we're looking for more guys to be able to do that, or at least take over for Kelsey as the guy that can carry you through seasons and, and into championships. I, so I got a question for you guys: If you are a strong contender and you have Kelsey on your team, you're probably still trading him for Pitts, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Like, even if I'm, like, the to- a top three team in the league and I have Kelsey and he's going to be a part of the run, I'm probably still moving him directly for Pitts. It, it feels like most dynasty managers Kittle, would. Whoever. Any of them. A- any other tight end. And it's really a shame because Kelsey's been so consistent and yeah, so great. Yeah. And if, if you're in the position to win that back-to-back title fund or whatever, you know, that progressive pot – you know, maybe that talks you into yeah. keeping Kelsey for the year, but uh, it's it, it's really an interesting situation. Ryan, uh, you have any Najee Harris trades? Throw throw a couple at us before we get out of here. Yeah, I've got a couple with Najee Harris as well. He's another player that I think is is pretty interesting when it comes to his value because many have him as the one hundred and one in in dynasty rookie drafts, and and uh, some like me and uh, uh, I think Matt is on board with this don't necessarily even have him as the RB one among the rookie class. So um, not quite all over the board with his value, but certainly some, some difference of opinions. Uh, Najee Harris for Joe Mixon, uh, even up in a trade there. Um, I think that one's pretty fair. That's kind of where I would have him ranked in that low end RB one range. Let's see. There was Najee Harris for, this is a 24 team league. It's a two, quarterback league, uh, and everything else is flex. So I, I love this format. Um, I, we don't know if it's multiple copy. I, I assume it probably is. Um, but this trade is Najee Harris for Miko Hardman and three first round picks, the 110, the 118, and the 120. Um, normally I would, I would take the picks, but in this class, I mean, you're talking about, you know, maybe that's Bateman and, I don't know, Dami Brown and Pat Fryermuth or something like that. And it, it doesn't look quite as attractive when you put names with those picks. 
Yeah, yeah, you'd wish that last pick, that 1.20 or whatever it was, was a future first or something like that uh, to, to give you a little bit more upside down the road but because that, uh, that doesn't feel good to me at all. Harris is an interesting one, Matt, because whether you're playing in Superflex or in a one-quarterback league, he's highly regarded by most of the league. And I think we were all on Twitter and saw the saw the pictures of him in the Steelers garb and at, you know at rookie minicamp and everything. Dude looks impressive and looks like a guy that 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 could dominate the Pittsburgh backfields for years to come. So another guy that I saw those pictures and I thought to myself, oh, I hope I'm not wrong about having him as my RB two in the class. <laughs> yeah, he he does look impressive. That offense, I mean. The weak point is going to be, I mean, it has the potential to be a, a fantastic offense, right? If the offensive line can actually come together despite the lack of experience there and Ben can hold it together for another season, they've got three wide outs. They've, they've got their, 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 you know, their current tight end. They've got their future tight end if he's ready to go too. So that offense looks very impressive if the line and Ben can keep it together. What do you guys think, now that we're talking about rookie uh, minicamp and stuff, what do you think of the whole ETN playing wide receiver all minicamp? How's that look for, for your dynasty shares? I think he can play a slot. He could be the slot receiver, sure. But why? Why? Yeah. <laughs> exactly why. Well, I, I think this... Visca needs to be in there, right, Matt? Yeah, come on. I, I think this... Maybe Visca's going to be the running back. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the news, and I don't even know if we should call it news, but um, this Travis Etienne news mixed with the the Tim Tebow signing. I mean, before the before training camp again, before training camp even starts, I think there's a lot of doubters uh, of of Urban Meyer out there. <laughs> a lot there. of red flags. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. lots of uh, just like wondering what this guy is doing already. Yeah, and it, it's really a shame because the idea of all the things that he did throughout his college career and now mixed with these weapons that are in place in Jacksonville, it, it's enough to get a dynasty manager excited about the potential there in Jacksonville. But now these question marks, these head-scratching comments and moves that you're seeing, hopefully things even out sooner rather than later with Jacksonville with all those all those players we're so excited about. So guys, we it was a lot of fun doing the consensus rookie tiers. I'm glad we got to talk to talk about those rookie trades as well because that's on the minds of a lot of dynasty managers. We're going to keep it with the rookie talk next week again. We're going to do that rookie cash, stash and trash. We're going to try to get through as many of these guys and project them out years into the future. See how we feel about these these guys that we're investing so heavily in. So for Ryan and Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again next week. 